We've got a new platform for our podcast. Really? Yes, an online place. It distributes the podcast to lots of things like Apple and things like that. Okay, so it doesn't make any difference for listeners. Well, this is the thing. It has an automatic uh, mastering service. So every week when we do this, once I've cut out all the mistakes that I make and all our ums and ahs, (laughs) I do an audio edit where I change things, I change the the sound. It does all that. You just send it in, it does it for $6 a month. Oh, wow. And they've said, just do one and don't do the audio stuff and let us do it. Mm. And then see what you think. So, listeners, if you think this sounds better <laughs> than normal or worse than normal or or even exactly the same, let us know. Uh, our email address is mail at flatchat.com.au. Uh, so you can drop us a line. This week, we're going to be talking rubbish. We're talking- <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference to normal? We're going to be talking about garbage shoots. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about a couple of serious issues, uh, such as experienced builders not being able to get work because of the Design and Building Practitioners Act. So they're not being able to come in and fix defects in apartments, that kind of thing. Well, we'll explain it when mm. we talk about it. And we've got a story about a family where their son has mental health issues and he's been given a really hard time by the residents of this apartment block. And you've got a couple of stories as well. Yes, we've got some advice for Jackie O, the radio star, All about right. apartment living. Good. Oh, that's tons to be going on with. So we better get started. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the Flat Chat column for the Australian Financial Review. And I'm Sue Williams, and I write about property for Domain. And this is your new and hopefully improved Flat (laughs) Chat wrap. This weekend just gone in the financial review I wrote about garbage shoots and I think every building we've been in for the past 30 years has had garbage shoots. Well some of them have had garbage shoots that don't work. Yes well that's (laughs) what I was getting to. Um, So it's a little room usually on every floor and there's a metal sort of hinged doorway in the wall and it's just big enough to take a relatively small bag of garbage and it drops from wherever you are down to the basement and sometimes there's a thing that just collects them and then when the bag is full it's in segments and it turns around automatically Mm. sometimes it actually has a compactor there which uh, crushes the bags to an even smaller size but the thing is that rubbish goes straight to landfill now since this brilliant idea came in all those years ago, we've started recycling and separating. I think we've been in a building where it had a recycling chute and a landfill chute. And that makes sense. It's basically two pieces of the same very basic technology. But for older buildings and for buildings that don't have that separation at the deposit level, it kind of discourages people from... Because mm, it's so convenient just to chuck everything down the garbage chute rather than maybe taking the recycling stuff down to where the rubbish is and where the recycling bins are. 
Well, we know in our system, I mean, apparently our building is one of the best in the city of Sydney area for recycling our garbage. And we have food scraps and we have paper recycling and, and, and all that. And there's big signs up that say, don't put garbage in plastic bags in the recycling bin because the plastic bags clog up the machinery, the, the mm. separating machinery. You go down there and there's the people who just dump. Now, all they need to do is tip the stuff in the plastic bag into the bin and then walk about five feet to the bin where they can put the plastic bags. But obviously these people are so exhausted by having carried their garbage that far <laughs> that they can't summon the strength to walk the extra five yards. It's weird, isn't it? You wonder why they do that, whether it's ignorance, whether they don't understand. Because sometimes, I'm, I remember once we had cleaners and they would take our um, recycling stuff and they would just chuck it in the garbage. Yeah. And we only discovered that when we kind of went down to the garbage and suddenly recognised some yeah. of our rubbish. Yeah. And so some people who have cleaners, maybe the cleaners don't really understand the importance yeah. of recycling. But I, I wonder, are people just, they don't know or are they just really, really lazy? And I wonder if... I think if they do it deliberately. I think these are the, the recycling equivalents of anti-vaxxers. <laughs> they go, oh, don't you can't tell me what to do with my garbage, so I am going to put this plastic bag. And the thing is, these are not the sharpest tools in the shed often, mm. as as the case with anti-vaxxers. They put their garbage in the plastic bag and they leave envelopes with their address on it. Mm. And our cleaners, I've seen them, they get the rubber gloves on and they go through and they pick out the, the envelope and they go, oh, this is apartment whatever. And they get a note from the building manager saying, you put garbage in. Oh, do they? Oh, well, that's yeah. A good I idea. believe so, yeah. yeah. I wonder if you had CCTV cameras down there that might stop people, may maybe make them think twice. Mm. Make them think once would be enough. <laughs> <laughs> it was it's mm. just, it baffles me, you know, that these people have carried the garbage down that far. They mm. can't just tip it out into the, the bin. Anyway, mm. the garbage chute, there's um, the strata manager for Vantage Strata Management in the ACT mm. has done a report on garbage chutes and how they are an expensive addition to buildings, especially these days, because I mean, we've got a sign in our garbage chute uh, and everyone in our building that says, don't put umbrellas, brooms, coat hangers, mm. cigarettes, whatever, down the garbage chute. And you think, umbrellas and brooms? But I've been in a building where I can remember the building caretaker almost in tears. He was trying to use a fire hose to flush an umbrella out of the, the garbage chute because wow. it was halfway down the building, but had this accumulation of rubbish behind it so it kind of opened it opened and got stuck got stuck and then it was everything else was it was a traffic jam of garbage behind, bags it. behind yeah. it and the same thing I, th I guess happens with coat hangers you know metal coat hangers yeah they'll get jammed the, yeah. yeah and Their then angles. and then and then everything backs up behind them mm. and the one building we stayed in which had a compactor which kept breaking down as well they finally just welded the garbage chute yeah. gate shut so nobody could use it Because it ever. became too expensive to keep fixing it all the time. Yeah. Mm. So I think if you add in the expense and the hassle, and then the fact that it's actually helping to undermine the whole recycling 
program because I'm sure if people had to carry their garbage down to the the bin room, they would probably, possibly, some of them would recycle some of it, although some of them would just chuck everything in the same bin. Mm. But at least if they put it in the proper garbage bin, then it wouldn't be spoil, despoil. Despoil. (laughs) The the recycling. (laughs) How about spoil? Okay, yeah, sure, right then. (laughs) But in my detailed research on this matter, I found this American system where you've got one uh, gate for the the garbage and three buttons, and you tell the the garbage chute, oh, this is paper and stuff, or this is food scraps, or, or this is general rubbish. And when you get the green light, it means that the thing at the bottom has adjusted so that your rubbish will go into one of three different hoppers. Oh, that's excellent. And it also has a big giant like chimney sweep brush and detergent at the top and it comes spinning down and periodically cleans the whole tube so you don't get the stinky smell. Great technology. I'm thinking it won't be cheap. Mm. But, I mean, technology is coming on in leaps and bounds always. I'm doing a story about um, an office building which is just being built where the owner of the building is really keen on recycling and she's actually installing um, the equipment within the garbage room to break down some of the, like with the composting to turn it into fertilizer. All right. And some of the recycling materials like glass to turn it into bricks so she can then sell them to builders, you know, that kind of stuff. So they're actually on site. And she reckons it's a great education tool because people will come down and see this machinery working and see these bricks that are created and think, oh, wow, this is really working, so therefore I want to contribute to it. Much more than just seeing a whole set of different coloured garbage bins. And and signs saying do the right thing. Mm. So the solutions to the garbage problem the the garbage chute problems suggested in the report I was telling you about are using your key fob mm. to access the bin room or the garbage the garbage chute, so that if somebody puts the wrong thing down, they can go, oh, that went in about this time, and we can identify the people who've been using the garbage chute in that time period and talk to them about it, which would just deter people from doing stupid things like putting umbrellas and brooms down. Mm. Um, the other one is that they put in CCTV so people can be seen putting stuff down, all of which are expenses. And that is the question, cost versus convenience. If it was put to owners in this building, for instance, here's the choice. You can pay more and that will go on your levies to install some sort of monitoring system or we can seal up the garbage chutes. <gasps> Pay more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. The garbage chutes are so convenient. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a discussion a lot of people will be having now, not because of the umbrellas and broomsticks and coat hangers in the garbage chutes, but more about how it actually undermines the whole concept of recycling. Because mm. if it's easier just to put everything, including tins and and bottles, and well, that's another thing, bottles going down the chute, yeah. I've had reports of people just pouring cat litter straight down the chute, not in a bag. Oh, my goodness. I've heard of people pouring food scraps straight down the garbage chute, mm. not yeah. in a bag. And the, the worst, I think, is people just taking dirty, soiled nappies and dropping them down the chute. Sure. Pretty shocking, really. Right. And on that smelly note, when we come back, we're going to talk about Jackie O and why she's 
having to move in our advice for her. That's after this. So it's kind of sad story in the Daily Telegraph last week, Sue, that uh, Jackie O, the radio personality, she's on with Kyle Sandilands mm-hmm. on the radio in Sydney. Yep, that's right. And she's had to leave her forever home, as they call it. Yeah, she only she only bought it a couple of years ago, really, yeah. um, in Wollara in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. But she's leaving because she can't get any privacy from the paparazzi. They kind of hang around the house a lot and try and shoot photos of her outside at the pool and probably on the deck and inside mm. as well. And so she is selling because she can't stand it anymore. And our advice to her would be buy an apartment. Absolutely. Apartments are fantastic for privacy. I mean, we've yep. had Nicole Kidman and Keith Urban live well, bought an apartment and lived there some of the time in yep. North Sydney. Yeah. Um, Russell Crowe lived for a while in um, on the pier at Wallara in yep. the apartments there. We had Hugh Jackman visiting here. Okay. Oh, yeah. In our at, apartment block, yeah. And we had uh, Todd McKenney living here. Mm-hmm. And at one point, we had both boys from Oz. <laughs> That's right. And when Hugh Jackman would use the spa, the word would go around the building and oh, yeah. lots of people would rush down there to yeah. use the spa as well. But, yeah, I mean, generally, it's a great place for privacy. And Apart I, from I think, yeah, well, that's right. people uh, watching you in the spa. But I think other residents tend to be quite supportive of protective, any, yeah, of, of any well-known people they have living in mm. their buildings as well. And it's great. There's so much privacy. I mean... We rarely see anybody else on the floor of our building mm. and uh, we often see people and um, think, gosh, I'd never seen them before and you find out they've lived in the same building for 10 years. Yeah. And it's fantastic. In a nice building, you've got a concierge so yeah. people can't just walk in. Well, these in. people who need protection from paparazzi are probably going to be living in a nice building. That's right, of course, yeah. So, Jackie O, just look at apartment living. Yep. It's nice, nice penthouses all around the city, fantastic views, concierges who will look after you, neighbours who will discreetly ignore you if that's what you want. <laughs> and uh, this this is the more, modern living. Mm, yep. Who'd live in a house? Yeah. When we come back, we're going to talk about unintended consequences of trying to save apartment owners from dodgy builders. That's after this. <laughs> So I got quite a sad email this morning from a builder who's been working in apartments for more than 20 years. Uh, it says he spends a lot of time fixing up defective work by much bigger professional operators mm. who's having to tell his regular clients, no, I can't come and do work in your building anymore because of the law, the Design and Building Practitioners Act. Oh, this is the new law where any work on defective buildings has to be checked by engineers or architects. Yeah, yeah mm. you need somebody with a certain level of qualification, certifiers and people like that, um, who will look at the scope of works and and look at the professional standing of the people who are going to do it and say, yeah, this can go ahead. The two parts of that problem, one is it's an added expense. Mm. So that the work isn't getting done because the owners' corporations are going, oh, so I have to pay the builder and the certifier or architect or whatever. And the other aspect of that is there just aren't enough of these professionals to go around. Oh, so you have to wait a long time to 
to get, get the work done. Mm. And is there like a limit on the amount of work? I mean, can you get work done up to ten thousand dollars? I think there is. I think I don't know if it's ten thousand dollars. I think it's it may be ten, it, but there is a, a threshold. But it's quite a low threshold. Mm. And for any significant work, the kind of significant work that you're going to need that kind of approval for is going to obviously going to cost more than the threshold. Yeah. So, yeah, it's tricky because we don't want to go back to the bad old days of dodgy builders coming in and doing work that's not up to standard. Absolutely. We used to own in a building that uh, had had a series of suspect work done to it. <laughs> Mm, it was cheap, but then it was really expensive to rectify again. Absolutely. Mm. So I just think there needs to be some thought put into a middle stage mm. where you can say, well, this person has, has had a reputation over the years and they can apply for some sort of certification, certification themselves. themselves. Mm. But knowing that their work could potentially be scrutinised, somebody will come round and look at what they're doing and saying, no, you're not up to scratch. Because we want to encourage the good builders, the mm. good operators to keep operating. We don't want to drive them out of business, but this is what this, this guy's saying. He's, he said, I'm 60 years old, I'm having to cancel five contracts, and now I'm thinking I might as well retire. Oh, that's terrible. It is, it is awful, because yeah. that's, that's a lifetime of experience gone. Mm. And fewer builders in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. And fewer good builders in the industry. Mm. So your solution sounds a good one. Yeah. Maybe you should write to David Chandler and suggest it. I think I might. Good. See what happens. <laughs> I don't want to get in his wrong side, though. He's a very scary man. Um, don't be pathetic, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> One other sad story that's come across our desk this week, and I'm not sure exactly how to handle it. It's a, a woman, um, she's a parent of a young adult with mental health problems. Mm. And he is trying to reintegrate back into the community. And so they've bought a flat so that he can live independently. This is the whole point of this exercise, is this young man can live independently. But they are aware of the fact that he does have mental health issues. So his um, carers, or, or I don't know what you'd call them, the professionals who look after him, mm. have set standards of behaviour for him that he must adhere to, to be allowed to live on his own. Now, the two reactions, opposing reactions for me, one is putting it, somebody with mental health issues into an apartment block is possibly the worst place to put them because of the way that might impact on other people. But mm. it's also potentially the best place to put them because they could be part of a community that keeps an eye on them. That's right. And because it could be very lonely in a house on your own. Yeah. And what's happened in this case is that one tenant, I believe the next door neighbour to the the young man, has started a campaign against this bloke and complains every little infraction and has now persuaded the Strata Committee to start moves to have him removed from the building. Oh, no. But has the have the parents kind of been to the Strata Committee and said to them... I, I don't know. don't know. Because you think, when you understand that there is an issue, I think most people are a lot more understanding and sympathetic mm. and would, would make much many more allowances yeah. and, and be more supportive as well. And, and probably if this young man had some sort of champion, for want of a better word, in mm. the building. Yes. And who could to, be a go-between. Yeah. 
Mm. Yeah. So it really, this is a situation where it needs people to sit down and talk to each other. But I do think that from the sound of it, it's the person who is most immediately impacted by this who is creating problems. And because they're constantly complaining, this young man's behaviour is becoming increasingly erratic. Yeah, because he's under so much stress and pressure. Yeah. 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 And it's a shame when neurodiverse people can't live in a community and people can't make exceptions for them. I mean, that's a very sad day, I think. It is. Um, Especially because so many young people now are suffering from mental problems as well. Yeah. I mean, we don't know how severe the mental problems are for this young man. We don't know how that manifests. I also remember the story we carried recently about the apartment in Perth where a couple had moved in and... The guy upstairs was really disruptive, loud music all times of day and night. And if they complained, it was even worse. And then they sold it to somebody without telling them that this was a problem. Mm. And the Supreme Court or High Court in West Australia ruled that they had to basically buy the apartment back off the person they'd sold it to because they'd sold it to them under false pretenses. Mm. And that was resolved eventually when the disruptive person moved out and then Everything was okay. Sure. But it's hard. It's really, really hard. But the one lesson that teaches us is if you've got a problem in your apartment and you sell it and you don't tell people there's a problem, mm. you're going to end up getting it handed back to you. Yeah, absolutely. But I think people just need a bit more education. I mean, I used to work in a newspaper with a man who had – what's that thing? Tourette's. Yeah, a man who had Tourette's and he would sort of shout and flail his arms and swear – you know, at, yeah. and jump up and shout and everything at various points. But because we all knew he had Tourette's, it was fine, you know. Right. But if we hadn't known, we would have thought this is yeah. a really strange behaviour. And everybody really liked him. He was a fantastic journalist. It was, yeah. And he just kind of carried on until his retirement, really, with a very full career and successful career. Well, there you go. So um, you just need a bit of education and understanding. A bit of education and understanding. How much better would the world be if there was more of that around? <laughs> sure. Thanks very much, Sue. We've got another full podcast this week, and I'm fascinated to see what it sounds like once it's mm. been fixed by Buzzsprout. Great. Maybe our voices will sound much nicer too. Yeah. Maybe I'll sound more intelligent. Maybe we could sing on one session and see how that sounds. <laughs> Maybe we could not do that. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming in and bringing your stories. And thank you all for listening. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Rap podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website, flatchat.com.au. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Flat Chat Rap with a W, click on subscribe, and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying. Thanks again. Talk to you again next week.